are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're aware of the fact that there are two Saul's in the Bible, an Old Testament Saul and a New Testament Saul. The Old Testament Saul began life so well. His work and ministry was so amazing. He was head and shoulders above all. He was a king. Everything started so great, but he ended so badly. The New Testament Saul began so badly. He was threatening out slaughter and hailing men and women and imprisoning them and consenting even unto their death. And he began so badly, but he ended so right. But the truth of the matter is, that was his beginning when he was lost. On the Damascus Road, where we read tonight, a light shone from heaven. He fell on his knees and he said, Lord, who art thou? And he confessed Christ and that day was gloriously saved. He who was dead now had a new birth. And the Apostle Paul, we want you to see tonight, his life from the salvation birth to the closing day when his head was severed from his body. We sing in our hymn book, all the way from earth to glory, all praise to him all the way through the journey of life. Tonight I want to ask you, how's your journey going? How are you doing? You got saved. You were born again. And now you're headed in your journey. But one day it's going to come to a close. I hope there's not a home going of death of one of our members this week. But there's someone perhaps in the auditorium by next, in this building, this parking lot tonight. Perhaps by next week we will have already laid one of us in the ground in Santa Clara, California. God forbid, but it may happen. I want you to know that this may be our last moment our last day, our last week, and your journey will be completed. Sunday school teacher, finish the job. Bus workers, God bless you. You've not been running the buses. We can't. We're not allowed to. For nine months, nearly 300 days, but our bus captains have gone faithfully each and every week to the houses, knocking on doors and visiting people and talking to people and praying with people and encouraging people and parents and children are begging, get the buses running again. Thank God you're still in the bus ministry. God's people have been tithing and sacrificing and giving and you've not failed, you've not stopped. Missionaries, all of our missionaries have been paid all year. We've not missed a dime. We're closing out in four more weeks. We will finish our 400th church in the Philippines, pay a pastor's salary for a year, build a building 400 times. If every church averaged 100, that's 40,000 people from this parking lot that's now going to church today every Sunday. I had in my life an overwhelming desire. When God put me in the ministry, and I'm nothing special, 
But I wanted to serve God so badly. I wanted to. I wanted to be in full-time ministry. Oh, at age 18, it was just that little bit of a window where I wanted to go to Vietnam and be a Marine and thank God for the men that fought for us and fought for that country and fought against communism. And I owe them so very much. I see a veteran, he'll wear a Vietnam hat. Vietnam, I always think of, I, I, I always say thank you so very much. But that same year, God began to call me into the ministry. And I'll tell you what, for these many years now, since that day, in 1969, where I gave God my life to serve him with my life, I've never regretted a moment. I, I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for my Lord. I regret that I could have done more. I should have done more. But the ministry is great. The ministry is wonderful. To serve God's the best. Young men that are here tonight and young men around the world that are listening right now, choose the ministry if God will stay and will let you serve him. And I believe he will. Say, Lord, here am I. Send me. There's a mission field waiting. There's a city waiting. There's a state waiting. There's a youth group waiting. There's a Christian school waiting. There's a college ministry waiting. There's an IT director waiting. There's a media, there's a live stream ministry waiting. There's a radio station waiting. There's something waiting for you to do. And the work of God is wonderful. And begin. One day come to the close and die. Realize that you've served God a lifetime. Wilbur Chapman was a great preacher and evangelist. He was overwhelmed with the life of General William Booth. Booth began what is called the Salvation Army in London. Booth, and it was an amazing ministry for so many years. They would preach on the street corners and win men and women and boys and girls to Christ. William Booth and his wife were dedicated servants of the Lord. She was not a preacher, but I tell you what, she was in the gutters with people and drug, drunkards and winning them to Christ. She, she gave her life to that great cause. Wilbur Chapman got in touch with General Booth. And he said, General Booth, what is the secret of your success? General Booth hesitated just for a few moments. And they said this, I'll tell you the secret. God had all of me. God had all of me. There are men with greater brains. There are men with greater opportunities. But the day that the Lord put on my heart, the poor and the needy on the streets of London, and a vision in my heart what God could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that day that God would have all of William Booth to the day I died. May I tell you something? God's put so many men in my life that have that same desire. I was looking early this morning on my phone and I went to the pictures. I saw a picture of Dr. Bobby Robertson. I love Bobby Robertson. He influenced my life so very much pastored over 50-some years, the same church, 60 years, 61 years, the same church, in the tobacco fields of North Carolina. I preached there for years, a week of revival every year, 
and I did it for years, and it's the only meeting I take on a Sunday. Bobby Robertson is out in front of his dad's church building, a little white clapboard church, and that's where his life began. He was saved and born again. His dad died at age 39 of a heart attack. Brother Bobby quit school in eighth grade and went to the farm and began to work on the farms to help his mother. Brother Bobby was called of God to preach as a country preacher, really. God bless that ministry, amazing ministry, nation's largest bus ministry. What a great man of God he was. I looked at that picture this morning knowing what I was preaching tonight, and I thought that's where it all began. And I stood at his funeral and spoke that day along with some other preachers, and when we saw the casket then come out to their church property where we were at, and they laid him to rest, I thought of that so many times this morning. He began here about two miles away, and he's laid to rest about two miles over here from where his life began, and all the way from here to here, he served God with his life with a massive heart attack, with a physical breakdown, with all the church splitting on him when he was in the midst of rehab so many years ago with his heart and sorrows, with difficulties of life, with people quitting the church, with people blaming the church, with people backsliding, with people causing a split, with people going to another church. He stayed faithful to the end. And I looked at that great auditorium, which was packed full, the balcony, the lower floor, every square inch had his funeral. And I had to say, to God be the glory. There's his name, I'm preaching right there, Bobby Robertson. Bobby Robertson Drive, a road right there. Thank God for him. He started and he finished. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm coming to you in God's dear name tonight. Start something and finish it. I pastor the world's greatest church. But I had more people quit on God than stay faithful to God. It's one of the largest churches in America for an independent fundamental Baptist church. We've had more quit in the 45 years of this church than those that have stayed with it. Tonight on my, early this morning, I was working with my prayer journal. I was praying for names of people that were members here. I come across names of drug addicts and drunkards and jails and people that have destroyed their lives. I think sometimes we think we can play at this thing called Christianity and it's not possibly be half in, half out. May I suggest tonight we give our life completely to God from start to finish. I guess this thought is so heavy on my heart because in this month of November, and I won't say something every week about it, but my sweet sister that was so healthy when I talked to her a few days before her death this month, and at two o'clock in the morning, apparently an explosion in her heart, and in an instant she was gone. At 2.06 in the morning when I received that call, my niece said, your sister Judy is gone. She played the organ the Sunday before. She was in church the Wednesday before. She loved God. 
She read her Bible every day, prayed every day. She prayed for me every day. She prayed for this church. Her last post was taken from this place. Alvin Martinez singing on a Sunday morning on June the, uh, on November the 1st, I guess it was, with her brother preaching the word of God. Oh, what a sister. What a wonderful girl. But she started her journey on November the 18th, 1948. And 70 years, 71 years, and two weeks later, her journey ended on November the 3rd, 2020. She'll never play again a song on this side of glory. She'll never rehearse something again. She'll never play an offering again. She had 30 grandkids. She'll never hold them again. Her life has come to a close. She's buried in Nashville on a military installation cemetery. It will say Judy Ray Bach, November 18th, 1948. Then when it's engraved, it will say November 3rd, 2020. You've heard me preach this poem at some funerals. There's a dash between it. When I go to the cemetery to pray, I always look at that dash and I consider what they must have done from this date to this date. That's what I'm talking about, the Apostle Paul. This date, and in, in Acts chapter nine, he got saved. This date, life started. And this date, he came to a close when his head was severed from his body and he gave all that he had to God Almighty. The dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates of the tombstone, tombstone, the beginning and the end. He noted that first came the date of a birth. He spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most was the dash between those years. That dash represents all the times he spent alive on earth. And now all those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and how we love and how we spend our little dash. So think about this long and hard. There are things that you like to change You'll never know how much time is left and time to rearrange, to be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remember that this little dash might just last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about you, how you lived your little dash? Let me tell you about the Apostles Paul's little dash. My Bible says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, and if you'll trust me, I'll read it for you without you turning. In prisons more frequent and deaths often, of the Jews five times received I 
stripes save one. Forty stripes save one five times. That's what he happened in his little dash. I think if many of us had one time, 40 stripes save one, we'd quit on God. Five times, thrice, three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered a shipwreck in the night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings, in hungers, in thirst, in fasting, in nakedness, and besides all that, the care of the church. And yet Paul never, never quit on God. We quit so easily. We stopped so easily. 2020 is coming. By God's grace, we get to December 31st, and it's my prayer that I'll still be your pastor. But I'll tell you what 2021 is going to mean. There'll be people that quit on God. There'll be people that quit church. There'll be people that get lead mad. It's just part of life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 about his journey. It was a journey of afflictions and endurance and necessity and distresses and stripes and prisons and tumults and fastings and watching by honor and by dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet known, dying yet we live, chasing we kill, not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He said, life has been hard, but oh, I don't regret a mile I've traveled for my Lord. He had trials. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he had a thorn in the flesh, and for this I besought the Lord thrice. But he said, my grace is sufficient, and he lived with a thorn in the flesh. We get a thorn in the flesh, we have to tell everybody about it. We think we're the only one with a thorn in the flesh. We think we're the only one with a sorrow. God bless you, dear people, where a husband walked out on you, a wife walked out on you, but friend, our lives still must hinge from God. I think about so many of you so often at night when you pillow your head alone, you've been betrayed by a husband. You've been betrayed by a wife. I think of tonight how many of you will be concerned about your child and wearisome praying for that son, that daughter that won't talk to you, that perhaps won't let you see your grandkids that perhaps is so far away from God, that perhaps tonight if it's a phone call, you'll wonder if that son or that daughter's wrapped a car around a tree. You'll wonder if that son or daughter will be drunken tonight or drugs tonight. you wonder if there'll be some anarchy tonight in his life or her life. you wonder what's gonna happen. And your heart is so broken, there's so many trials, but I tell you what, as a pastor, I admire the people of God that have sorrow and trials and difficulties and heartbreak, but they stay faithful to God. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. He was betrayed by the Galatian saints. He went and led them to Jesus Christ. They're on their way to heaven because of him. Yet he had to write to them, I marvel. 
that you are so far removed from him that has called you to another gospel, which is not another. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should believe a lie? His own ministry was attacked because he gave his life to these people and now they had a new philosophy. He said, if it were possible, you'd have plucked your eyes out for me. Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I don't want to ever get caustic toward this. Sometimes someone say, oh, pastor, we love you so much. And I have to be careful because I'm thinking, what if you could say that three years from now? Five years from now? I wonder if you'll take to the internet and attack. A friend, here is Paul betrayed by the Galatian saints. Here is Paul won the, the, uh, the, the people at Corinth, uh, Colossae to Christ, and he's betrayed by them. And he said that as Gnosticism moved in and equating the law with grace and works, he said to the saints, beware lest any man spoil you or capture you through philosophy of vain deceit after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. He saw a church that drifted into the world, drifted into uh, heresy and wrong theology, and yet Paul became the enemy. He saw his friend who was with him in revival campaigns, and all of a sudden now Paul's in jail, and he writes to Timothy, and he said, only Luke is with me. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas was one of our great workers in the ministry, but in chapter four, verse 10, he said, he's gone. The world was more attractive. I had in my heart tonight some people, they did well for so many years, five years here, 10 years here, 15 years, 20 years, 25, 30. I watched even tonight as folks walked out and drove out of the area, not to another church, but to something of the world. And my heart aches for them because I know it's gonna get hard in their life. You cannot walk away from God and have success. It won't ever work. Young people, there's coming a day that someone's gonna influence you to leave the heritage of the faith of your mother and the faith of your father and what you've been taught and you'll be convinced that this is a bad place. This bad place kept you from drugs and this bad place kept you from immorality and you think you're sacrificing because of it. And so you go to live that life and then blame the church. I'm so, I'm so shocked. But the apostle Paul said he was shocked too. You're gonna have loved ones that are gonna turn on you. You're gonna have church members but on the other hand, I have had loved ones that have loved God a lifetime. I have pastored members that for a lifetime they have loved God. I know of preachers that for a lifetime ran their course and finished their course. I won't take the time, but Hebrews 11 would be a good place to go to verse 32, he speaks about how all these great Christians died. Their bodies were sawn, sawn asunder. They were cut in half. 
but they never denied the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be sorrow with your mate. You might be embarrassed. You might be brokenhearted. But Jesus never fails. Our mates fail. Some have been so betrayed, so hurt, it's not fair. It's so sad. You might have sorrow with your mate, betrayal with your mate. It might be death with your mate. I was speaking to my brother-in-law yesterday or Thursday, I guess, Thanksgiving. And I thought just a few days ago, he laid to rest my sister, his wife. His life has been totally changed. Many of you know what I'm talking about because you've gone through the death. Some of you have gone through divorce. God bless you. What an honor to be your pastor. What a privilege to watch you stay true to God. Some of you have been so disappointed with your kids. So disappointed. You poured your life into them only for them to reject the things that you tried to teach them because you love them. Some of us are disappointed with ourselves. Some are disappointed with fellow Christians. Some are disappointed with the hurts of life, our own sins, our own deceitful heart, our family, our loved ones. But the Apostle Paul comes to 2 Timothy. In chapter 4, it said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished my course. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness that God's going to give me. He was awaiting in that jail cell. And they were going to come, and they did come in just a matter of time. And they led him to a guillotine where they severed his head from his body. That's why he could write, for to me to live is Christ and to die as gain. None of these things move me. The prisons, the 40 stripes saved one five times, the shipwreck, the stoning, all that he went through in life, the betrayal of people, because at the end he was standing, though his head was severed from his body. He finished his course with joy. The Apostle Paul had a difficult life, but how did he keep going? One, he kept his eye on the goal. I press toward the mark. There was a goal in his life. This week, as we leave in a moment, a few moments, let's keep our eye on the goal. It would have been nice if the goal would have included a strong marriage children that love God, good health, no MS, no Parkinson's, no cancer. But that's not the journey that God has for many. And Paul said, I kept my eye on the goal. Get your eye on the goal. What is the goal? That I might finish my course with joy. Secondly, he kept his eyes on Jesus. As we leave tonight, keep your eye on the goal. People will attack your goal. People will ridicule your goal. 
People will trash your goal. People will hurt you regarding your goal. Keep your eye and keep pressing toward the goal. Secondly, keep your eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Not looking to our troubles, not looking to people that hurt you, looking unto Jesus. Three, keep your eyes on the second coming of Christ, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. And he kept his eyes on that heavenly city. Number four, he kept his eyes on that heavenly city. You look to your goal. You look to the Savior. You look for the second coming. You look for a city. Looking for a city. Oh, I thank God when the choir, I can hear you singing that. Remember that night just not long ago, earlier this year, you kept key changing it. Brother Martinez sang with you. Looking for a city. I am going to a city where the streets of gold are laid. I'm going to a city. I've heard of a land on the faraway strand. Tis a beautiful home of the free. Built by Jesus on high where we never shall die in a land where we'll never grow old. I'd like you to pray for my wife and I more than ever. We're enjoying marriage. We're enjoying our lives. We're enjoying our church more than we've ever enjoyed it. We're enjoying the cause of Christ more than ever. But we had a good start. I've had this dash. And if Jesus tarries one day, there's going to be a date. And I want the dash to count for God. I want the dash to last for eternity. Oh, when I'm laid to rest out here, that name will vanish away. It's an amazing thing. Jack Hiles has been gone for 20 years and Lee Robertson and Tom Malone and this generation doesn't even know who they are. Dr. Lester Rolfe has been gone for 30 years. You would not even know his voice. This crowd doesn't know who a Lester Roloff is. What a great preacher. What a great man of God. And yet, my name won't mean much out here in a few years as a, a preacher that's buried out here in the cemetery. I believe his marker, I know his marker says Reverend and it has his name. I believe it was 1791 he was born. Nobody would even know the church he pastored in this area. Nobody would even know who he is. I have one item left from my grandfather I saw him a couple times. I never saw my mother's parents. I saw my grandmother twice. She never saw me. She was blind. My grandfather gave my dad, and my dad gave to me an old wooden knob and a drill that you go like this, and it's a hand drill. It's in my workshop. That old drill is probably over 100 years old now, a hand drill. It's very old. 
My sister Judy kept all the belongings from my parents of their parents. I have the belongings of my parents, their pictures, their weddings, their paperwork. And you know, in just a short time, my twin sister and I, one of us will go, and then they'll be left, and really those things will just probably wind up in the garbage. Nobody's going to want my grandparents' picture. Their dash was so short. Nobody's probably in time, oh, a few of you who'd hear it, say, I don't like your parents, but that's going to vanish in a few short years. And my life will just be in a marker in a cemetery one day if the Lord tarries. And so will yours. But I hope until that name vanishes from society, if someone would come to my marker and see the date of my birth and the date of my death, I'd pray that they would look at that dash in between. Said he pastored during COVID. He pastored the greatest church in America. He pastored a church where those people believed in getting Bibles to every home in their city. He pastored a church where they ran buses every single Sunday for 45 years that reached 1.5 million boys and girls for Christ. He pastored a church where 80,000 of those boys and girls one-on-one in church were led to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. He, he, he had a church that was like no other church. They were people of faith and courage and honor. Thank God that that little dash, I hope, will reflect our Savior and reflect the people of God. How I love you folks. There has never in my estimation ever been a church like this church. Meet out in cold tents and you're grateful to be here. Meet cars with no nurseries tonight, and your children have probably had a hard time, and yet you're here. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.